Again, welcome, welcome to season two, episode seven of Monday State of Mind, brought to you by Harmony Foundation. My name is Michael Mazel, and I am your host. We are in it, and this might be the last episode that we talk about the topic of acceptance. I'm so excited about this because, like I've told you guys, when I kicked off talking about acceptance a couple episodes ago, I really knew that I really wanted to have a few other people talk about this because this is such an important topic. And it's really incredible to see how different humans look at acceptance, how they view it, and how they lean into it and the different tools that they use to move through their day. We had Megan Hauschultz on last week. She is an incredible human. This week, I will also say, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, I also prepped everybody today for the recording. I was like, you guys, I'm bringing somebody back that it was highly requested from season one. I was actually telling him, it's a him, but he'll tell you who he is. I was telling him, I'm like, you know, I think that you're really highly requested because our voices are so opposite. And like, while I might freak people out and make people want to go like, you know, drink Red Bull and like run a race, like he's very calming and he makes people just really just settle into like who they are. And I love how opposite we are with that. And I am so grateful for his knowledge and his friendship and for what he is going to offer all of you today on Monday State of Mind. So who do I have the pleasure of having back in season two. Hey, Michael, so grateful to be here. I was so excited that you were back in Harmony and ramping up this podcast again. And I was like, oh, I can't, I hope I get an invite. I was like, I was thinking about a texter to see if I can get on. I was like, I just love <laughs> that you do this and you're so good at being a host and, and getting the most out of your guests and really having interesting conversations that are engaging and hopefully helpful to the listeners. But my name is Brian Tierney. I am the executive director over at Cure West here in Denver and also former co-worker of Michael, where we really did have those, like, as you spoke, that energies that just kind of like balance <laughs> each other out, which I think is always a good mix to have, right? And we would do groups together and it was like Michael's energy and my different energies, but both very positive and worked well together. So yeah, I love talking with you, Michael, and I'm a very... Grateful and honored to be invited back on your podcast. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. And I got to tell you, Brian, the podcast has been trending all over the world. We've been really trending in New South Wales and also in New Zealand. So Ooh. I'm sure all these people across the world are really going to love having you back too. And I'm going to tell all of you guys, since Brian has been on the podcast, Brian became a dad. Brian is, <laughs> Brian, not only is he an executive director, an amazing human in recovery, he's a dad now. He's a, he's a fur baby dad and a real baby dad. Real baby dad. Yeah. I think since the last time I was on the podcast, got married, had a baby, graduated school. <laughs> so, oh my got a new job, high level. Yeah. So he's, he's been busy. Year. Yeah. We're going to dive into this now, Brian. Like, you're going to give the meat and potatoes acceptance, page 417. Yeah. 
when you think about this, maybe it is on the daily, maybe it's not, but what about acceptance is the answer has been, I would say, pivotal for you in your life? What are things about it that has also been transformative for you as the way you go about your day-to-day life? Like what about acceptance? And even were there times, Brian, that you were like, I don't want to be in acceptance, but then realizing that when I am in that, that things can actually go in your favor. So you get a dump on us now. (laughs) Yeah. I like that last part you were asking about that not being in acceptance because I wasn't in acceptance for so long. I was in active denial of the effects of my drinking and drug use, my active addiction, my active alcoholism, and the consequences of that behavior, right? The consequences of living in a distorted sense of reality and a, almost like a perverted fantasy kind of like a, of what my life actually was. And it really wasn't lining up with being able to move forward in life at all. And really, I was just on a track of being dead at an early age. I mean, that's what my use looked like towards the end. It was very risky type of behavior and very apathetic towards taking care of myself and thinking about like, well, you know, if I keep doing this, like I'm going to die. And it's like, who cares? <laughs> you know, yeah. I certainly don't. Fortunately, I did reach that place of sufficient humiliation and demoralization that a lot of us experienced in our recovery journeys as a catalyst for the beginning of our recovery journey, that I was able to access the humility to accept the current predicament of my reality, which was I was an alcoholic and an addict and my life was completely unmanageable. And any kind of design I tried to place on my life that was driven by self-will, the the attempts of exerting power on the world around me, which was essentially a practice in futility, was just leading me towards a really dark life. And there's a reason it's a large part of the first step in the 12-step philosophy, a 12-step process, right? Like we have to be able to accept our current reality in order to do something about it. Like if I don't think what I have is a problem, then I'm not going to take the necessary action I need to take to address it. But what I think was a catalyst for that is, and this is something that came from uh, someone way smarter than me and way more spiritual. I'm drawing way more spiritual. Like, like a Ram Das or something like that. But basically, one of the, they were talking about acceptance in a way that the disconnect between what is and what I want it to be is the source of all suffering. The greater the distance, the greater the suffering. Can you say that again? Yeah. The distance between what is and what I want it to be is the source of all my suffering. The greater the distance, the greater the suffering. So that's something that I share with a lot of the sponsees I work with, a lot of the patients that I work with, because we have a mind, people with addiction and alcoholism, that has a distorted sense of what's really going on in the world around us and how we're interacting with it. We have a hard time seeing the truth of a situation. So we're in denial a lot. I mean, that's the disease. It's rooted in our mind. It distorts our thinking. Like uh, there was a guy at a clubhouse that I went to when I did my 90 and 90, my first couple months sober, he would say, I got half a mind that manufactures bullshit and half a mind that loves to buy it, right? And that's what I was doing. I was just selling myself distorted thinking. And that would inform how I was then perceiving the world around me. So it, it did take a sufficient amount of demoralization and humiliation for me to realize that this wasn't the way. And I was then able to receive suggestion from those around me, uh, people in the rooms, therapists, uh, you know, sponsors, uh, trusted friends, things like that, 
were able to help me see a little bit more clearly of the, the current reality of my, my situation. And then I could see that, yeah, anytime I was out of alignment with my current reality, and I was like, I really want this, or this should be this way, or I want it to be this way, or I want to be here in my life, or I want to be whatever. I want to have this quality and I don't have it, uh, or I want to have this income and I don't have it, or whatever it is, uh, or I just want to have sobriety and I don't have it. Uh, I want to have a better life and I don't have it. Not being able to honestly evaluate. I mean, the 12 steps is so big on honesty. The current sponsor that I work with now is when we sat down to start working together, he just talked about that. Nothing happens here without honesty and transparency. Like if there is an honest communication about, about what's going on with you, then nothing works. Like this program is based on rigorous honesty. Uh, the book's very clear on that. And outside of 12 step philosophy, even in therapy, like if you're not honest with your therapist in treatment, like <laughs> yeah. you're not going to get the work done that you need to get done. Uh, yeah. Uh, spiritual development in general, like it really needs and necessitates a level of acceptance of my current reality so that I can understand what I need to do to, to improve upon it. And I think, I think there are some other things that I, I like to think about with acceptance, because at first when I was approached with this idea of acceptance, I was like, oh, so I just put my hands up and just accept the fact that my life sucks or this thing about how society's working that I don't like. And I think is wrong. I just have to accept that it is and do nothing about it. Um, I thought that I was, I thought that, yep. Keep yeah. going. Yep. <laughs> and I really found that not to be the case. But at first, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, acceptance just means I admit defeat and I surrender and I don't do anything. <laughs> and then, but that really isn't the case, except it's more of a, a release of being able to say, this is how it is, but I can still change things. It's like EBT is very dialectical behavioral therapy is actually very effective with what we call like cognitive dissonance or, or being able to hold two things that are seemingly contradicting each other, like I'm perfect, but I need to change. Like I fully accept myself for who I am right now in this present moment. And I also understand that I need, will continue to grow. And those are two things that are maybe tough to have in your head at the same time. So I'm bringing that up to say from a 12 step perspective, like we're talking about accepting the situation so I can work on myself uh, and, and grow. And from a therapeutic perspective, we're talking about like, hey, you're good enough, you're okay, but also things need to change and growth is a part of just developing spiritually and developing into a healthy life. So I think uh, there is that part of acceptance that has this almost contradiction in it of like accepting the current situation, but still being able to work towards a, a better solution for doing what I can. And when I'm in that space, when I can accept, accept that I don't like something that's going on in the world or in my life, uh, and I can accept that that is something that exists, but I can still advocate for improvement, something I, I see people on the streets all the time. I see funding get diverted to other aspects of whatever society where I'm looking at an opioid crisis with fentanyl and carfentanil and people are dying in insane numbers. I mean, it is tragic since the pandemic, how, how awful opioids have become in our communities. And then seeing that funding be diverted to other places or getting access to that funding being challenging. So I can, I can accept that I exist in a society that isn't prioritizing this to the same degree that I want it to be prioritized and still actively advocating the communities that I'm a part of, volunteering in nonprofits, uh, the way I choose to vote, the way I 
uh, engage at work and the things I advocate for in my in my professional career, whatever I can do. And when I'm in that space, it removes that sense of resentment against the thing that I'm rallying against. And I have just found for me personally um, that it's not a very stable fuel, a, very, a stable energy source to draw motivation from to address something. So I, that, you see what I'm saying? You know. Yes. I was going to say, I love that you just said that you would like, if we don't accept that you can get into resentment, I'm like, oh, that is not a healthy behavior either. And so I would love it be if you could talk about just like the simple fact that you acknowledge that and how do you choose to move through not getting into resentment? Because sometimes we do, but you know, what is it, what has it been like for you to also like get to resentment and be like, this sucks and to choose differently? Yeah. I think it's a Gandhi quote. Again, I don't know. Some spiritual teacher. Dude, he's uh, dropping quotes like it's like going on a style. I love yeah. it. And I may be paraphrasing a little bit, but essentially the teaching is uh, like, do what you have to do with people in the world around you, but never let them out of your heart. So there's a way to engage with everything that we do in our life. Even if we're fighting against something, we can do it compassionately. We can do it with, with love in our heart, essentially. Um, I take that line in the big book that anger is the dubious luxury, luxury of, you know, other, other men, essentially, uh, very seriously. Like anger is something and resentment is something that will quickly or lead me towards a path of alcoholic and addict behavior, selfishness and self-centeredness. And then all I'm worried about is like what I want, what I need and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I try to, when it comes up, process it in a healthy way. And that doesn't mean I don't get angry, don't get frustrated. I'm a human being experiencing the human condition. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to get frustrated. But I have this new design for living that 12-step work, therapy work has provided for me in my recovery that I can now channel that in a way. I try to tap into that kind of thinking, like I'll do what I need to do in this situation, set a firm boundary with somebody, advocate uh, strongly for something that I want to see changed in my community but I never let whatever I'm rallying against outside of my heart. Like I, I really try to hold space for it and be compassionate towards it because when I'm not in that place of acceptance with the current reality of a situation, then I'm going to be using resentment as a fuel. And I've just found that to be a very unstable fuel to motivate myself. For me, it's, it's, it's like a corrosive fuel. Like it may get the job in the short term. It may get the thing done. Like, oh, I hate this, this thing is happening, so I'm going to do something about it. And maybe that's good in the short term, but that fuel is it's corrosive and very destabilizing. I get easily destabilizing and can be pointed then in the wrong direction or something. So I try to be mindful when that stuff's coming up for me in my life. How am I navigating this? Like, And that I have found that I will also be able to be more effective in whatever I'm trying to improve in my life or in my community or whatever it is, if I'm able to approach it calmly and peacefully and, yes. and I can't access those states of mind, if I'm resentful and frustrated, if I'm outside of acceptance of the situation, if I'm thinking, how could these people do this or whatever? It's like, well, they're human beings and we're capable of all range of things. Of course, this is what they have their own needs. They have their own priorities, right? Like I can see the humanity in the situation and therefore I'm not, othering them, not making people the enemy, whatever it is I'm doing, but I'm just, you know, I can, I can accept that aspect of the situation and still work to change it. Um, so, yeah. You just touched on it. And this was something that Megan didn't touch on is when you look at the whole idea of acceptance, right. And when people are feeling like 
this person did this to me? Why did he treat me this way? Why did they have to do this to me? And and embodying a sense of victimization. I feel like what I see a lot of people struggle with, and I will say that I have also struggled with this too, because I am human, I'm not perfect. And I will struggle with it because I don't want to accept that they didn't do these things to me intentionally. And even if they did, I get to accept how I'm going to react. And sometimes I wish I didn't have to have acceptance. I wish that I could just react in a super inappropriate way and it be okay. And, it, and I'm valid and I'm seen and I'm heard because I deserve to act that way. I deserve to be mm-hmm. able to be a jerk to that person when in theory, it's like, that's really not the truth. And so what are your thoughts on when people, when there is that victimization that comes with lack of acceptance? Right. What was coming for me as you were sharing that was like that sense of righteous indignation. God, yes. I love the moral high ground. I love, right, victim stance, as they may call it. And that's something that I continue to work on and all that stuff. But yeah, it tastes good. It feels good to feel like I'm in the right. And I know this and I was wronged as a person in recovery, as a person with addiction and alcoholism it's not worth engaging with no matter how good it feels, the cost of staying in that state for too long is the longer I stay there, the longer I increase my probability at the very least engaging in alcoholic behavior. I'm not talking just drinking, but just selfishness and selfishness and the very most, you know, that's drinking in jail institutions of death for me. Right. So I, I think about for a lot of people, I think too, it's, it's those people in our lives, typically family. Yes. (laughs) Historic challenging and complex relationships with and like we get triggered by it we do we just get triggered by it and we're like that person does this and they do this and this isn't right and they should do this and they should be like this and they should treat me like this and they should talk and they should respect my recovery and they should blah 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 a lot of shoulds a lot of disconnect between the reality of what that person is and what i want them to be right greater the distance greater the suffering right what i think of there is if I can, and I've done this with many relationships in my life, I can save myself so much resentment, stress, so much a time of them taking up, you know, free rent in my head, essentially. If I can accept that that person is who they are and I'm going to love them, I'm going to set boundaries with them and I'm going to honor those boundaries and they're going to probably test those boundaries. They're going to poke through them. They're setting boundaries with people is just very little about like, telling them like, Hey, don't do this anymore. It's more not letting them do that to you consistently in compassion, interact with people, how you need to interact with them, but never let them out of your heart, allowing you and giving yourself the freedom to do what you need to do in a human interaction, like setting a strong boundary with someone like, I can't have this person in my life right now. And they frustrated by that, or I have to go meet with a family member that I know I have a really challenging a dad or a mom or somebody that or husband or wife, children, whatever it is for you, that is really triggering for me to be around. The quicker I can get to an ex- a place of acceptance with that's how that person is. I'm not going to change them, but I can change how I show up in that interaction. I can set different boundaries. I can allow that person into my life as much as is appropriate. But the quicker I can accept that that person's change is not up to me at all. And that all I can do is choose to show up differently in that relationship. I have a much better time interacting with those type of people and, and leaving those interactions, not all in a tizzy full of resentment, like, Oh my God, that person's so annoying to get under my skin. It's like, I know that person is the way they are. Yeah. Fine. And they're fine the way they are. That's it. I just have to accept that. 
and I'm going to engage with them differently. I'm going to choose to take a different uh, perspective as I engage with them. They may say stuff that in the past, maybe a year or two ago, was really triggering to you, would destabilize you, or they're engaging in a behavior that was super annoying to you, and then you're able to come in and go like, oh, yeah, that's what they do. That's that's like their mode of operation. I'm not going to take yep. it personally. So this is outside of 12-step stuff, but I, I went to a, a treatment center that was founded in the four agreements, uh, if anyone's familiar with those, pretty popular recovery book. And it talks about never taking anything personally, ever. And that can be really hard to do when things are personally directed at you. I think that ties into a little bit of the Al-Anon space, which I had a sponsor recommend when I was working in treatment. He's like, I think you need to go to Al-Anon because I was getting a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what would they do? What did I tell them to do? And I was out of acceptance with people in early recovery, essentially they talk about that thing where it's like, what that person is doing has got nothing to do with me. Like that's their stuff. And I don't need to take it personally. I can choose yep. to take it personally and then I'll get all full of resentment and yep. <laughs> up with the lack of acceptance in the situation. Or I can understand that that person's on their own path and I don't need to take whatever they're doing personally because I know I'm doing my best to show up in a positive way in the relationship, right? So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love everything. I just, I love everything that you're saying. And I think, and I love how you keep tying it back to like, it is a choice. Like we have a choice. And so now as we wrap up, because I could make him stay here all day, but what does your life look like today? Now that you recognize that you do have that choice, but because before, like we think like we didn't, or we didn't want to accept it, but now that you're in acceptance of having a choice of how you show up, what has that done for you? <sighs> so much relief. And it allows me to access serenity. I, I'll use an example. Like I'm a new dad. I have a three and a half month old baby girl. And I'm just so much love there. It's also really hard. <laughs> <It's> really hard. <laughs> and your life changes drastically. And everyone tells you they're like, oh, get ready, get ready. But until you are in it, I, or at least for me, like there's a period there where it's like, this is a new life now. Like I have a different level of responsibility because I have a human being that is really dependent on me to survive and thrive and grow in a healthy way and have a loving home and all that stuff. So, but it was just like, you know, that you have this, you holding this baby and it's like, Oh, I'd really like to go to the gym right now. Or I'd really like to go to hang out with my friends this weekend, or I'd really like to go to this restaurant and Oh yeah, I can't. Cause I have a two month old baby that needs love and attention and care. And I have a partner that needs support to provide that love and attention and care. I know it sounds a little silly, but it was just like, oh yeah, that life's over. This is a new life now. Like I have to accept that this is my current reality, that I'm a new dad. And if I want to be the kind of dad that I, I hope to be and want to strive to be, then I have to let some of these things go. So anytime it comes up where I'm like, oh, I'd really like to be playing music right now, but I got to hold my baby because she's crying or frustrated about something. I just remind myself to accept the position that's like, oh yeah, this is how it is now. Let's just tap into this present moment, be here with this situation. And understand that the more that I want, they say Buddhist Hindu philosophy, suffering is the root of all desire is the root of all suffering. The more I'm desiring to do, be doing something else that I'm not currently doing, like holding my baby when I want to play my guitar or go out to a restaurant or something, this is going to spin more. So I, the quicker I can access that acceptance of like, this is what I want to be. This is what I'm doing. This is what I chose to engage with in the life that I wanted to have. And that comes at a cost and being able to let go of those kind of desires for the past or, or desires of like what I want it to be at a certain moment. It just allows me to sit into that present moment and access that serenity. And then I can be very 
back in that space of gratitude of like, man, I'm so glad that you know I made a choice to do this and have a family and be present with this little baby. And rather than just being like, God, please go to sleep so I can do what I want to do. <laughs> you know, that's right. Oh, suffering. and the quicker I can get into the space of like, no, I'm happy to, I could do this all night. Like I'll tell myself that like, if she needs to be fussy all night, I'm up and I have to go to work in the morning. So be it. I get more time to spend with my dog, whatever it is. Like I try to, and it's hard. I try to just tap into that as much as possible. So that's a, I guess, tangible example of what it looks like in my life today with how I'm practicing uh, acceptance, you know, currently. Brian Tierney, I tell you, I, I am so grateful for you and for you being here and, and like, and just being so present. And, and like I said, sharing that last bit of tangible knowledge for people to really kind of understand and tying it all in from pre-recovery to early recovery to like where you're at now as a dad, it's just, it's so cool to see how things can evolve and change and stay with you to serve you. And I'm just Thank you so much for your time. If anybody wanted to reach out or just be able to say thank you for what you said on the podcast, is there an email? Is there a way for anybody to reach out to? Or are you just going to tell me that you're going to ghost everybody? <laughs> I won't ghost. I'll give out my my email here. So it's just brian.tierney at grncare.com. I'm always happy uh, to talk about recovery, treatment, life, spirituality, whatever it is. I try to make myself as available as possible. I'm a busy fella. I won't deny it. But if you reach out to me, I will you know, love to get connected with you. There you guys have it. And we'll put it in the show notes as well. And again, you guys, this is what we do on Monday State of Mind. We come together and we we build better humans. So with that said, before we part ways, I want to remind all of you that help is available. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance, please reach out to the Harmony Foundation at 970-586-4491. Just remember that together we build better humans. All right, you guys, we'll see you next week. 